RPS, powered by SET. those piano chords. Welcome to the Weekly Review, where two adults and a bright young mind make sense of the world we live in by analyzing stuff we've recently enjoyed in pop culture. On the mics, we have Ben Cardew III, Hello. Marvai Verdu, Hi. and myself, Johan Wald, behind the screen, touching buttons, and simultaneously, I suspect, buying expensive <laughs> guitar pedals online is Rob Roman. And this week, we get to talk about the very exciting Rina Sawayama, who just released a deluxe reissue of her debut album, Sawayama, which we carelessly overlooked back in April. Today, we shall make amends. Marvai Verdu can't seem to stop talking about Taylor Swift, so our, <laughs> our internet specialist brings us the latest on Tay-Tay. And following up on last week's theme of guilty pleasures, we shall try to figure out what accounts for bad taste in today's criteria. Let's begin. Let's start with our album of the week, the deluxe edition of Rina Sawayama's debut album, Sawayama, which includes live, acoustic, remix and bonus tracks, giving a broader scope of her artistic talent. Her story is quite interesting. She was born in Japan, moved to the UK with her parents at the age of five, studied at Magdalen College in Cambridge and graduated with a degree in political science before becoming... Uh, the pop star, the most exciting pop star that we've heard in all of 2020. Ladies and germs, let's talk Rina. Pop sensation, let's call her. Yeah, totally. I feel I feel absolutely distraught that I missed this in April. This have been, could have been keeping me going all year. Um, and why didn't it? What was I doing? Well, I'll tell you what. No, I'll tell you what. Right. I cannot work out. She's one of these pop stars. I cannot work out how popular she is. You know those, those kind of stars? You're like, oh, there must be a really big star. And then you look it up and they're like, oh, maybe... They're not. Like, if I was booking a gig for Rina Sawayama, I don't know if, like, I'd have a, like, you know, 10,000 capacity place or 500. I genuinely don't know. It's very hard to work out. How, how popular is she, Mar? You're young. I think she's really popular, but now you got me thinking maybe she seems more popular on a bubble of Twitter that I live in. And maybe if you, if she was to go on concerts because she hasn't been able yet. She wouldn't feel as much of the stadium as I think she would, but I think she is like the the right the bigger rise of a star on 2020, right? Like she I didn't know her. She had like a mixtape and stuff, but I didn't know her before 2020 started and and now it's like I, I'm obsessed with her. She she creates such a mystery for me. Like I wanna know what is she doing, what is she wearing, when she's gonna be the cover of whatever and I wanna know everything she's doing and, and very few people have managed to make that interest in me create. Well, the, the Guardian described her music as, or her, as the missing link between Mariah Carey and A.G. Cook's PC music, which is quite spot on, because if, if you listen to the album, there's an array of pop styles that range from the typical early 2000s Japanese pop, and there's even new metal sprinkled on there, which I'm not, is a little bit out of step with my taste, but I, the way she uses it is very interesting, I must say. Uh, 
I want to say about new metal, I can't stand new metal, but I really like it when she uses it here. Because it's like, if somebody said to you, look, we've got this young pop star, right, and she's using sort of very 2000 things, kind of cross between Britney and new metal, I would run to the hills rather than hear that. But by God, it really works. And I just love it when someone comes across with something that obviously is totally natural to them, but like doesn't seem natural at all, doesn't seem obvious, and they just kill it. And I absolutely love the new metal bits on this. It's perfect. I remember when I was really... Uh, what getting into music and what between the ages of 8 and 11 I'm going to be this broad I remember really being you know last week I was talking about my love for Sting right <laughs> I I love We're back to that one <laughs> well this is what I mean no it's it's to make a point it's I thought Sting was cool right because my friends elder brothers who were like the guys I looked up to they were surfers and stuff they'd listen to the police and Sting in the car not not just the police Sting solo right so I grew up whenever I see in the media that people would talk negatively about Sting or the Beats Boys Christmas album or um, uh, Axl Rose's dressing style I, I thought what it's the coolest thing why are they why are they shading Axl Rose's uh, kilt wearing and stuff like that right so all of a sudden I grew up thinking that that was cool for me I didn't care what people would think and the same goes for Rena. she's re regurgitating stuff that music critics would lambast in the past like typical commercial pop from the 2000s or new metal you know when was new metal ever mm, seriously regarded by the critics it might have had its moment obviously deftones is very well thought of but some of the other stuff like puddle of mud or even certain corn uh, songs ugh, it's i don't know it, it never got very well regarded by new york, new york times or rolling stones but now we're in this world where everything is approved of approved of and there's no such thing as uh, easy de to detect bad taste um, none on, nothing on this album sounds like bad taste to me. Uh, it's done with precision, the precision that you would find on a J-pop record. Um, I, I can't say anything negative about it, except for those new metal guitars. Well, I, I can be a little bit negative now. Bear with me, Mar. Just give me, just give me a filthy look there. Which is that, all right, we are technically talking about the deluxe edition of this album, right? And it's, it's December. Now, the deluxe edition of this album is like Christmas because it gives you a lot of a good thing and then more that you don't necessarily want, but mm. you consume anyway and you slightly hate yourself for it and it wasn't really necessary, but you have it anyway and it was still good, if you see what I mean. Like those, yeah. like, i, I got to say, right, the deluxe, deluxe Edition adds a number of acoustic versions of, of her songs and I had, I just thought there was utterly no need for them. But because it was like Christmas, because I, I consumed them. Anyway, it was like having that extra, you know, like bit of Turan that I really didn't need and maybe felt sick, but I had, I had it anyway. That's why it's like the most Christmassy thing ever. There's a word for that in Spanish, isn't there, Mar? Empacho. Yeah. Empacho. What would that be in English? When you're saturated, but it's it usually has to do with really sweet stuff, like eating too much Turan, which is that almond paste with loads of sugar, for instance, right? So this album, I didn't find the bonus material empalagoso or empachoso, as we'd say in Spanish. In fact, the acoustic versions honored some of the songs that have those new metal arrangements, like STFU. Shut the fuck up. Um, I prefer the acoustic version because you oh, can Oh, come on. Yeah, I do. Oh, come on. Because I swear, it's... Okay, so the guitar... The, as I say, it sounds a little bit cheap to me, but... When you look at the video clip, it made sense because... It's so good, the video clip. Like, it 
it's when I discovered Rina and I was like, I'm not going back. I, I have to follow whatever she's doing. Like, it's so funny and, and it makes you want to scream like, shut the fuck up. Like, what the fuck? Um, she's so good and, and I don't agree that the Kirstic version is better. But um, I feel like it was not necessary to make this deluxe edition and make the acoustic versions but it's here and 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 why not like okay i'll take it and i'm enjoying it maybe it's i like you said like christmas but i, I love christmas so yes and and there's two um bonus tracks like the honey and bees or something lucid like lucid wasn't on the original and lucid, lucid is, is super banger. good and and it was it was not supposed to be on the album and now it's here so i for the first time i kind of get the point of having a deluxe album and having bonus tracks mm -hmm. well i i was wondering like a deluxe album tends to be that kind of thing like if you know comes out around about Christmas, it's something for people to buy to put in the stockings. But does anyone really buy CDs to put in the stockings anymore? I'm afraid no. Not really. But people are buying a lot of vinyl to put in very oversized uh, <laughs> Christmas kind of stockings. Socks do you have? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But vinyl is on the is on the rise. Every year I keep hearing vinyls are outselling the previous year. It's wonderful news. But CDs, I think the CD has totally died. I don't even. I love the CD. You you still have your, yeah, your well ordered yeah. connection. <laughs> Certainly do. Yeah. Well, Not it looks very nice, didn't it? It was nice and easy to manipulate with your hands on a shelf. Well, what happens when, a la, uh, what sci-fi series I've been watching, where there's the event and everything is blanked? Uh, what sci-fi series is that? That's one I've been watching. Anyway, what happens when that happens and all of your digital things are, are <gasps> deleted and then I've got my lovely collection of CDs and you're all forced to listen to early 90s Britpop oh till the end, the end of the day. Time. Can you hear the sound of me stroking my bearded chin? <laughs> I'm a more of a vinyl player myself. You know, less plastic for the oceans. Um, <laughs> one of my favourite tracks on this album is Comme des Garçons. You know, it, it, if if clubs would have been opened in 2020, this would have become such a hit, such a banger. As you say, how to grasp the reach of Rina Sawayama's popularity, we would have known through this song. I don't know if it's doing the rounds on TikTok, if people are doing choreographies, but they deserve to. But And the song itself, Comme de Garçon, just like boys, uh, it's about male tropes. It criticizes how men are expected to behave in certain social situations, you know, the macho behavior, and how toxic it can be. But I find it interesting because, in a way, she's also honoring one of Japan's most influential and creative women, Rei Kawakubo, the designer who started the brand Comme des Garçons in 1965 and is revered all over the planet. She is iconic for her mysteriousness. She rarely gives interviews or appears in public. She's highly reserved, which makes her all the more enigmatic and lets her philosophy of design and creativity speak for itself. She made recycling cool in haute couture and famously uses discarded fabrics to make entirely new clothes that don't fit the mold and create unique silhouettes for those brave enough to wear them in public. Rina, she also reuses sounds and rhythms that have that seem to have been discarded, like the new metal guitar riffs or the early 2000s Japanese pop arrangements. Uh, she's also fiercely independent, directs some of her, some of her own videos, and I can imagine you know Jap Japanese society which Rina kind of addresses you know or even the western perception of Japanese uh, women is that they are submissive and that they have to behave under very strict male moral codes in society well I can imagine uh, uh, someone like Rei Kawakubo is the kind of person that that a lot of women feel liberated by praising because it's like, wow, she's the example of a woman who 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 who, who faced loads, must have faced lots of adversity, and look at her now, she is practically an empress. Uh, as I said, iconic. 
One thing I really liked about this album um, in general was that she seems to talk about quite interesting things. Like, I thought Bad Friend was a very interesting song because, like, loads of songs, there are loads of songs about being in love and falling out of love and that kind of thing, but there aren't all that many songs about friendship. I mean, there are some, but like, and specifically being a bad friend. I looked up when she wrote it, apparently... Um, she wrote it after checking Facebook for the first time in a while and seeing that a formerly close friend had a new baby. And who can't relate to that? Not necessarily the new baby, but just like, you know, you check something off the way like, oh God, I've been, I've genuinely been a bad friend. I thought that was such a brilliant... Oh, so she it's her being the bad friend. Yes, yeah, yeah. Not her friend for not telling her privately, I've had a baby. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's her being a bad friend. And then she kind of looks back on all the good times they had, <clears throat> had together. And I quite like it. It's like, it's a very honest examination of, of how life can be you know because it's kind of hard to call yourself a bad friend isn't it you know like no one wants to think of themselves um as a bad friend but she 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 does it very realistically i mean she's a she's a very intelligent person yeah well curiously speaking you know it's not any college she studied at in cambridge she went to magdalen college which a long while back was exclusively male and there were even protests when they decided to allow female students to attend which makes it all a lot sweeter because i bet they're now very proud that they can brag one of their ex-alumni is this left field pop superstar phenomenon rina sawayama um but and 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 I read somewhere that this year she's also applied to an online course uh, for, in Oxford University. Wasn't there, wasn't there some kind of beef where if you went to Cambridge, you you were a Cambridge person, and if you were Oxford, you were an Oxford person, and you would never cross the streams? Yeah, but I think the biggest beef is like Oxbridge. So if you went to one of the two, uh, you that you know you see yourself as very separate to people. I mean, who, who didn't go to one of the two. So it's like you've got Oxbridge and then you've got everything else rather more than, you know, I guess there's beef between the two. You know, they're a big boat race for some reason. Yes. Um, but, uh, th- yeah, th- th- I think it's still sort of accepted. It's like, well, you've got to go somewhere. Better, you know, better you go to Cambridge and then Oxford than you go to Cambridge and then, heaven forfend, Manchester or something like that, you know? <laughs> Mark, what, what, do your, what do your friends say uh, about Rina? You say she's really big in, in your bubble. Um, what, what are people... <laughs> Yeah, I I think every well I I don't care about my friends. No, no. <laughs> but I I see lots of people celebrating bad her friend. on. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you're being a bad friend right there. <laughs> They're probably listening to you like, okay, mom. Next meeting you're gonna no, get like some flowers. I was talking to one of your friends about the baby they had recently. Yeah, have you have you given them a maybe call? not exactly my close friends' uh, music days because everyone listens to so much different stuff. But I feel like there's a part of the internet that represents a, a troop of people that are now like making pop stars rise and, and be more relevant that really engages with this type of, of artists like Rina or Charlie or uh, all these pop stars that are here to kind of change the pop scene and, and like Rina is doing, she's you can dance and disconnect from the world with her music but also if you want to listen carefully to what she's singing it's also like politically charged and it has a message and it's also super interesting to see that because um, not only bad friend but excess that it's like uh, her one of the top singles she has mm. is is about like capitalism and being kind of um in these two two situations where you you have been brought up with all these kind of super capitalistic TV shows like Gossip Girl, Sex and the City, mm. and whatever, and and you wanna be that, and you wanna be a Kardashian, but at the same time you're like, maybe it's not that good for the world, and and it's an 
unnecessary excess and, and she sings about that and racism and being included and LGBTQ friendly songs and everything is like, I don't know, she, I think she's so good at what she's doing. You can just listen to it with not that much thought into it, but it can also be thought-provoking without being something like groundbreaking. And she's talking about topics that we all know, but it's interesting to see it in a in a pop scene kind of stuff. Yeah, because she, she manages to simplify these strong messages. It's not mm -hmm. just like she's posting about it on social media. You know, speaking of excess, she, she went on record as saying it's a song that mocks capitalism in a sinking world. Given that we all know global climate change is accelerating and human extinction is a real possibility within our lifetime, it seemed hilarious to me that brands were still coming out with new makeup palettes every month and public figures were doing a gigantic house tour of their gated property in Calabasas in the same week as doing a sad about Australia wildfires Instagram post. She's very savvy. She's, got, she's spot on. And I like the fact that she, she said that she sometimes to find inspiration to create new songs she will binge on social media she will go on it and and get you know get the negative feelings of overusing it and then boom she'll make a she'll make a song like excess by the way the the, the pablo vitar remix of come de garçon pales in comparison to the original although i do understand the the power of making mm. a statement by uh, giving more visibility to brazilian trans transgender uh, As artist Pablo Vitar, uh, eh, I don't know if they brought that much to the table. Although you should probably watch watch what you're saying because they're both playing the festival next year, aren't they? Yes. And they mm. might have. I imagine if we had them both both in the studio, that'd be quite something. Oh, that would be exciting. That would be wonderful. That doesn't you know the fact that the song the remix isn't <laughs> as good as the original uh, doesn't get, take away the excitement I'd feel of having those two together on a stage in Barcelona at a Primavera Song Festival. It's like the nightmares I have when you talk about interviewing. Uh, Fleet Foxes, and I remember how rude I was about that, that <laughs> recent album. The biggest ghosting of the year. He's no longer returning my messages, Robin Pecknold. You, I've, but I still love the album. He's having a bit of a moment on, on, as a meme this week. Um, but yes, let's not um, digress. Should we listen? Should we listen to a bit of uh, a bit of excess? Just a little, little, little touch. Give me a little bit. Okay. <laughs> See that was a good example. That was a get, get a new metal guitar which was interestingly used because it's like a sample, like a clip, and it's and it and it dry, and it brings the point. You know, it's like bam, look, listen to what I have to say. Yeah, the one of the few seconds where new metal is actually interesting. So we're going to be talking. Um, we, l last time we were talking about guilty pleasures and whether they actually exist and what a guilty pleasure might be and if maybe we just like the guilt. And we're going a bit further today or off on a tangent. I'm not quite sure. They're sort of somehow tangentially related. We're talking about bad taste and what exactly bad taste is. Now, I think this is really interesting because somebody once said this to me about music, is that if you write a song, okay... And you make sure it basically has the, the ingredients of, of a song, like it has lyrics, it has a melody, it has an intro, it has a verse, chorus, that kind of thing. Nobody can say it's a bad song because it is constructed. You might not like it, but it is uh, constructed as a song. It has all the necessary ingredients of a song. And that is one thing I think that makes taste really, really difficult. Because to write 
something that, that, that constitutes a play, right, or a work of theatre, yeah, there's a load and load and load of work and there's loads of things you have to do. And I think people could very easily say, no, that is a bad work of theatre, that is a bad book because it doesn't have enough. Whereas a song, any of us could uh, put together a song in about five minutes um, and it wouldn't be bad. It, you could not look at it objectively and say it's bad. That is what makes music taste so fascinating. Very interesting. Yeah, totally agree. I totally agree. But the, the the distinction, I guess, is it's not bad as in quality. It's as in bad taste. This is the the ephemeral kind of un, unfathomable concept. You know, it, obviously, taste is subjective, as you said, and it, it depends on your 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 upbringing or what you identify, what makes you cringe and stuff. But it's something fascinating. And I think, Mar, you've you've got you've got a lot of notes here on bad taste <laughs> that I'm as always very interested in hearing. So, uh, we agreed last week that there's good guilty pleasure as a universal thing and blah, 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 blah. And now we agree that bad taste is so subjective that there's, we couldn't agree on something that is kind of universal bad taste. Like, I, I hate a lot of things. Like, I, I could make the, the whole show about the things I hate. Like, <laughs> people that listen to 6 9 still and... It's not in a joking way, but at the same time, it's. I know it's specifically to me, and there's people that will enjoy it. And just like you said, um, it, it it's um, it has its lyrics, it has its appeal to some people, and so I cannot say it's bad taste in in a universal sense. But then it came something to mind that I I think we can all agree that it's in bad taste to do so mm. and it has not as much to do with us and our taste as an audience but more with the artists or their team and it's being thirsty for streams oh, on social media i hate that i absolutely yeah so bad so, so it, you have to be very very tacky and desperate. Uh, yeah desperate begging for me who I'm just a, a, a random on the internet and you're wealthy and you're begging for my place oh that feels so uncomfortable because the cool thing is when when like the, the k-pop people k-pop fans do it right hmm. As far as I know, the artists never say. You know, the fans yeah. just do it themselves. Exactly. The artists aren't, aren't you know, they're, they're very happy afterwards. They say thanks for the work, but they don't ever say, please, because stream us like 8,000 times to get it to like number 33 in America, you know. That's... Or it's like YouTubers, please subscribe at the end of the video. It's like, I'll subscribe if I want to, you know. <laughs> if, if you have to ask me for it, then it's, uh, you're it not that good. so uncomfortable when people that you look up to uh, beg you for something or... I and. In, I was clearly thinking about Justin Bieber when he put out Changes Ooh, the Album. I'm he cringing. went on this whole much amount of posts and, and stuff, begging people to stream it, doing live streams and, and saying, please, um, if you stream the, the album, I'm going to give you a shout out and stuff. And oh, you're D Justin Bieber, how how desperate can you be? You're already wealthy. You already have a large fan base. Why do you need to do that? Is, does it mean it's bad? And well, no. I think it's largely to do with. I mean, it just must be really hard being an artist because everything can be measured. You know, in the old days, it used to be well, well, this song got to number one, and this song got to number one. You'd be like, well, that's not bad. Or like maybe it got number two. You'd be like, well, that's pretty close to number one. But then now you can know exactly. Well, this song had 37 million streams, and this song at 15 million and it's so um it's so precise 
You know, that's that's horrible. It must be really hard. I feel I feel no. bad for for, for Justin artist. Bieber. I reckon it's like ten years down the road. You can be like, I'm I'm proud of that. Like, and I think it's specifically specifically Justin Bieber doing so, or Selena Gomez, who I thought as a woman was a little bit more intelligent than Justin Bieber. She also did that, and then it was when Roddy Rich was. Um, breaking all the charts and everything and it was like okay whatever guys stream Selena Gomez album she's so desperate I don't care I don't get number one and it's like new artists I feel like understand that being number one is not everything you have to aspire like it doesn't mean you have more talent it doesn't mean you have more ability to sing it doesn't mean your fan base is more loyal it's just you get number one okay lots of people stream that but it on the long run it may be not be such a good result and people like Justin and Selena maybe are stuck up on yes I want the number one top album on Billboard charts whatever and then in in the long run it's not as a successful as maybe Rina who doesn't have a number one and yet we're t talking about her all year and I don't know so what did Selena Gomez do? Selena Gomez did basically the same thing as Justin Bieber. She went on Twitter or Instagram, I think it was Instagram Live, and she went, guys, please, Rare is my most personal album, please stream it, I want it to be number one. And it it, it was either hers or Body Rich's um, album, which is his first album, and it was really good, and people were loving it, and it was going to be Body Rich album, because it, it's be better than hers. And, and, he wants just as much as she wants and you even if you scream you want to be number one it doesn't mean you're gonna be but she did that and then Roddy Rich tweeted like okay guys stream Selena Gomez's album she's so desperate it's like I kind of pity her I don't Ooh, I don't oh, care as much of pity yeah but it, it it made sense like she sounded like she was begging well, what's clearly in bad taste, as you say, is uh, narcissism, I guess, uh, on, on, on social media, showing off your riches. That's always been in bad taste, especially now that we're all so well informed of how unfortunate other people are in the world. You know, all of a sudden, all these people, you know, uh, as, as Rina would say in her song <laughs> Excess, you know, showing off their house, their car, the jewelry. This is something that I've always loathed about trap artists, uh, people like 6 9 or or Lil Uzi Vert and stuff, you know, showing off the new car he bought, or Migos kind of make it a funny thing, you know, because they're so gaudy and outlandish, it's almost like uh, it, it's almost like a joke when they're doing it, you know, showing the gold chain and showing the power. It's something that noblemen and and, and kings would do, right, to show power, right? The the gold, the jewels, the the stuff that they'd pillaged from other villages and from other countries and stuff like that. Ah, power, power, power is now. It show signs of power is in bad taste. I think that would that would constitute. Talking about other people's mm. money is is horrible. Is in, is in very poor taste. Very. It depends taste. where you go. If you go to China, apparently that's the first thing people ask you: how much you earn. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's like really accepted. Whoa! Now, because usually in the United States, okay. So, and I think we talked about this, no? When when people immediately, oh hi, what do you do, right? What what what? Yeah. Because obviously it's an interesting topic of conversation. You want to get to know people when you go to these mixers. They call <laughs> oh, them mixers. I was <laughs> I always ask them how much can you bench press. That's my number one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hi, how much brilliant. can you press, dude? That's brilliant. That's brilliant. But um, but wow, in China it's like how much do you earn? Whoa. Well, in Amer in America, it's where are you from? 
Yeah. Because like they're always just obsessed with like where you're from. It's like yeah. oh Ohio. From, oh, I've do? got like cousins in Ohio. You know. Ohio. And yeah, in China they, they would just ask where where do you am? <laughs> what? No, no problem with it. How like you rude. know. <laughs> you would. Wow. That, I, I'm a. <laughs> You'd get set, completely set off. It's like, what? What do you care about my tire? And you know, but it's like, it's probably rude to say to, to answer that. Whereas in some countries, it's actually in good taste to burp at the end of a meal because it shows signs of appreciation. I don't know if that still runs, but what are you imagining? You know, burping at a t- burping at this table right now. I've become really sort of sensitive to the burping sound. You know, something that you know when you're a kid, you're a punk in the street. You know, you're like having burping contests, and now I, I get really offended when I hear a burp. I become <laughs> this prude. Adulthood. Um, so w- another thing, right? Last week we were talking about the bimbification, right? As a as a as a sign of female empowerment and how certain. Um, style accessories which were uh, considered in in poor taste are now actually you know celebrated right they're they're things like the the juicy couture tracksuits or the ed harcourt t-shirts all the kind of stuff britney spears would wear when she would go down to buy extra large smoothies right (laughs) this was always regarded as as bad taste but all of a sudden stuff started happening in fashion just having a very fashionable show talking about mm-hmm. Comte Garçon one minute but then a very interesting start, thing started happening with this brand called Fetmont uh, which was w- w- creatively directed by Demna Gvazalia I don't know if I've pronounced it very well who kind of celebrated the kind of uh, Eastern European chic which was always very outlandish and it was always kind of condemned by the more Eurocentric tastes or, or New York Times style columnists and all of a sudden, it's become this this cool thing, right? The norm core, the dressing oversized, dressing like a like a like a vagrant, really, who's <laughs> who's taking hand me downs from 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 clothing stores. And it's an interesting thing. But when it comes to the whole bimbification part, I'm going to let Chris Rock. Um, Share some of his uh, well, share nothing. I've, I've ripped it from YouTube. Listen to this. <laughs> when did Clear Hills become the new whore uniform? When did that happen? <laughs> Was there a big old whole convention and all the hoes got together and said, We need something new? <laughs> something that just says nasty. <laughs> and one girl said, I got it, Clear Hills. Ooh, girl, you disgusting. <laughs> you all right. Now, I got nothing against strippers. I got nothing against strippers. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody has to take on the monumental responsibility that the strippers do. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody has to entertain the married men of America. Somebody has to do it. Okay? Your wife, you know, your wife will take care of you, but she ain't going to entertain you. You give your wife some clear heels, what the fuck is that shit? <laughs> Get this whole shit out my house. Now wash your hands so you can eat. Chris Rock there talking about clear heels. So, Mar, you're, you're, you're a fashionable girl, person. Oh. You have a lot of style. Where do you yeah. stand on clear heels? I love them. Um, <laughs> would you wear them to a wedding, though? Yes, I would wear them to take my exam tomorrow. I have exams now. Um, 
I, I, I don't think there, I don't agree with, with whatever he said. I think <laughs> you can do whatever when in good taste. Like there's, like clear heels are not bad taste, but you can make them bad taste with, I don't know, other stuff. But things in like by themselves, I don't think they're bad taste. So you can make, um, like you said, like the Eastern European fashion um, come back if you do it on good taste and you take it to a high fashion level or whatever. You can always take, like what you said, the Juicy Couture is now back on. If you make it, um, I don't know, a revival in good taste and making it relevant to today's everything. And even what I said uh, about self-promo and being shameless about your stuff, you can make it also in good taste. Like I, Miley Cyrus is now still relevant in this week when her album was out last week because she is making like self-promo on TikTok and she's becoming really good at it because she has managed to understand what TikTok is about. It's not only about dancing, it's about being clever and, and comedic in a sense that teenagers and young people get it and, and now people are really streaming her song because they want to get on this trend that she comments people's TikToks and stuff. And I think you can take everything and and bring it anything that seems bad taste, like having shameless self-promo or clear heels that maybe are not so easy to to <laughs> on an outfit. But you can make it good taste if you put the effort or if you understand and have the references of whatever you're doing. Hang on, hang on, hang on. So it could be good taste to beg people for streams if as long as you're vaguely self self-aware. Exactly. Saying. If you manage to beg for streams without me realizing if I, if I I'm thinking oh Miley is just being funny on TikTok haha <laughs> I'm gonna stream a thousand times prisoner because I want to it's not because Miley told me to and suddenly I'm like oh no it's actually Miley's strategic um, people making me think I'm doing it because I want to um, but your mind belongs to Miley exactly, Cyrus exactly but I'm, I'm glad it does because she did it in good taste and that's what it matters Johan, what's the one item of clothing you won't wear? Clear heels is... Consider it. You see, I've, I used to be a bit against the the leather trousers, <laughs> but now I think I could get away with it, but it would have to be in a very bombastic kind of way. I don't know. Uh, is there any other way to wear them? I mean, they are bombastic. You can't have, like, low-key leather trousers, can you? No, no they, exactly. But would I wear them to a wedding? Yes, maybe, maybe. Because <laughs> yes. yeah, Unless, if, obviously, if I want to... bride. <laughs> exactly, that's the thing. Yeah, that's in bad taste, outshining the bride. See, yeah, so this is the interesting thing. At would least they're I wear... wiped clean, though. Hmm? At least they're wiped clean. Yes. And, <laughs> but they make, a, they make a lovely sound as well. But, um... What wouldn't I wear? Uh, I used to be very much against bell bottoms, but now I'm kind of feeling them again. I don't know. It's like, yeah, there's there's no such thing as bad taste in fashion I, anymore. I, I can't take, and I know you've got a couple, but I'm not a fan of waistcoats. You know what? It depends. It depends. <laughs> in a three-piece suit with a with a you know with a sort of Scottish kind of fabric, yeah, three the the vest is definitely there, but it can look a bit silly. I don't know. But I'm going to switch now. Oh, no. Yes, I'm going to switch. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to follow where I am. Uh, speaking of bad taste, there's a song for me that represents a kind of bad taste that I like. And uh, I'm going to ask Rob to play it in the background. 
the Lady Gaga song featuring Elton John, uh, Sign from Above. Let's listen to just a few seconds. When I was young, I prayed for lightning. So this this one treads the fine line between bad taste and guilty pleasure. For me, it's the song of the year in that category because it sounds like a song from Will Ferrell's Eurovision Song Contest movie. It is excessive, it's gaudy, it's dramatic. It is whipped cream, fudge, strawberry jam and a very stodgy plum cake all at once. It's hard to ignore. I would never play this in front of someone I want to impress. <laughs> but it just goes to show what what conventional taste I have in, in love interest. Uh, but it is the equivalent of watching... Amateur pornography. I feel filthy what? listening to it. <laughs> Elaborate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is certain kinds of videos in adult entertainment which are just very um, dodgy. <laughs> not dodgy. Not dodgy. Not 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 dark. Not not no. They're just filthy. Filthy. That's the word. There's no other word for it. It depends on the taste, obviously. But I think people can get a, a sense. And don't make me go too deep into it, <laughs> please. I'm too embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already feeling filthy just by ev evocating, uh, by remembering the thought of it. So this song makes me feel like that. It is like the Power Glove. I love the Power Glove. It's so bad. Sorry, I just wanted to put that excerpt from a, a really bad movie from the early 90s called The Wizard, where about a an autistic kid who's really good at video games and that moment has stuck in my head and every time I hear something that is so bad I remember this character Lucas talking about Nintendo's Power Glove which was one of those failed products that didn't really set the world on fire so <laughs> having so this Lady Gaga is just like amateur porn just like a movie the song. from the 90s just the song just like a movie from the 90s about a power glove. Okay. Do you know I'm what, Mark? To, if, to you, if, you put all of the, if you plot all of these, they just connect right in the I middle and like Lady the, Gaga... The and meme of the guy with, like, trying to connect the dots yeah, going yeah, yeah. crazy. Are you a psychologist <laughs> by any chance? <laughs> Your hand's on a higher plane than us, uh, really. Well, it, you see, this song, it has that DJ Tiesto type of Euro techno sound. And I know that there are many defenders of DJ Tiesto out there, but his music conjures nothing that resembles good taste. In my... In my criteria right the visual imagery of his music the, or the, the 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 imagery it evokes it's just terrible it's the kind of style that has tarnished the island of ibiza and i am wearing a t-shirt by space ironically by the way because i'm a hipster right here i am and because in madrid there was a time when if you said you were going to ibiza to spend your holidays you'd always have to add a disclaimer pero de tranqui eh but i'm going just to chill avoiding the tacky clubs you know like fearing that people would think that you're the type of person who would reserve a a, a vip area with the expensive bottle service with the sparkly sticks coming out of overpriced pink champagne and i love rosé wine why would i be against this but i don't know for some reason this song reminds me of all that kind of stuff and uh, it is just a little thing i thought would exemplify Mm, musical bad taste. I like this song. I like the way it goes all jungle at the end and it doesn't really fit. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes bad taste is better than... Sometimes you're in the mood for bad taste. So I love that these kind of songs exist out there. So if I want to go, yeah, let's go full on Lady Gaga and Joel Elton, I can do that. So I don't like that everyone aspires to have good taste. Well, listen to it, listen to it. It's here now.
<laughs> yeah, and that's a perfect segue into Tay Tay Land. Exactly. We're obsessed. Taylor Swift. Well, Mar seems to be a little bit more obsessed than we are. <laughs> What's happening with Taylor uh, with her recuperation of her song rights? Exactly. We're now on the time that she is able to re-record her album so she can we are in the free Taylor era and where she's freeing herself because she can do anything by herself she doesn't need uh, anyone to rescue her she's gonna rescue herself and re-record everything she's put out that's under Scooter's brown evil hands so now um, she has gifted She has gave she has given us English yes yeah. okay <laughs> um, a little sneak peek of what she's been doing and we have the Taylor Swift song which is love story about to come out I guess I hope because um, we it's a little bit weird how we received this song we just won at but the thing that makes sense it, an, an ad for a dating app I think match yeah yeah am I wrong. Quite um, an out, outdated dating app as yeah, well. Don't they? Do anyone I, use I'm, dating apps these I, days? Exactly. And match, I thought it was over, but whatever. It's with Ryan Reynolds, so maybe it makes sense because we remember folklore. It's the in the track Betty. It was their oh, yeah. way of putting announcing the baby's name of Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. So they have a very tight friendship so you could say that she owed him one frankly if you're going to announce someone's name on a song you'd you're better so like clever it's totally that i bet ryan reynolds called um taylor and said oh you have to give me a hand in in this ad put your music and everyone's gonna watch it and and i'm gonna get super rich because the people at match will be very happy with me see i feel i feel a bit conflicted about this because on the one hand i think it's a really great idea that she uh, gets back control of her masters in this way i think it's an absolutely excellent sort of fu move But uh, I don't like people going back to their old music because I think they're always going to sort of mess with our memories. Yeah, you know, like I don't like when people go back to old albums and change things up. Like, But you know, she oh. wouldn't have done it if it was if the evil man took her royalties away. Like it's it's the, her only way out of the prison of a very bad um, contract she signed when she was like just a teenager and didn't know better. And I totally understand that. But <clears throat> Taylor Swift songs are important for your memories, right? So how would you feel if you were at a party, let's say, and somebody put on one of your favorite Taylor Swift songs and you start to have a dance and just as you're shimmering across the room, you realize that the, the reverb was slightly off. Yeah. You realize that the vocal phrasing was slightly differently. How would you feel? But I think Taylor takes everything into account like... Nothing slips her mind. Not it's not possible. It is not possible to re-record it. But she's it. Taylor Swift. I, I she think can she's do kind it. of, of a, a, a <laughs> yeah, goddess out of this world. No, she's great, but you say like, she can do it. She has Def superpowers. I think if she wanted, she could go back and, and make Scooter Brown not be born, but she's not evil, so <laughs> she just decided to re-record everything. And then now we're talking about her. We, we, we would be talking about her even if she didn't do anything. But I'm... Um, I I like it. I like it. I I think it's her way of being like, yeah, life is gonna give you bad moments, but you always can find a way of getting out of things, even if it's not the ideal. But, but right, Def Leppard. Are you a fan of Def Leppard? What? Def. Oh my. <laughs> 
What was you in what? It was a hair, hair, well, hard rock, hair metal, hair metal. Did you just say what? To what? <laughs> they, they were from the 80s, you know, Def, yeah. Def Leppard, Joe Elliott. I thought we just established the 80s were kind of, I know the 2000s are fashionable. God, I can't Yeah. All well, right. Wolf, Def Leppard, that's, they, they could come back. They could make a comeback. They had a very nice logo of their, you know, on their t-shirts of their name. Anyway, they uh, re-recorded some of their greatest hits because they're in dispute with a Universal Music Group. And I remember, re- re- basically, I-, I read an interview with them. They were talking about it. And they were saying, like, we got to a level where we just couldn't be asked anymore. You know how meticulous it was trying to make everything sound like it was, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. Um, and I don't think re-recording has ever really worked. I can't, I can't think of any, any, any sort of good... But I heard the sneak peek that she has put out in this weird ad thing... And I didn't feel like, I, I was afraid, I, I'm not going to lie, that it was going to sound off and I was going to be able to really tell it changed. And it it was not the case. I, I enjoyed it, even if it was just a few seconds. And the thing is, she has changed it, but on purpose. Because apparently, and that's what the fans on the internet say, um, is that in the sentence that she's supposed to say, baby, just say yes she changed it to say baby just said yes like in the past tense meaning she's telling us she got engaged to her boyfriend joe alwin so maybe she will give a lot of easter eggs about things that like she always does but with the real recordings which seemed impossible so she's adding a little bit of spice to the re-recording stuff hang on has she actually definitely said yes or is this just what you're getting rumor but it was a rumor that she was like Announcing the baby's name of Blake Lively or confirming her romance with Carly Claus or and this seemed to be true. So this rumor might mean there's wedding bells about to sound in the Swift ho- household. But right, okay, but look, that's great. But at the same <laughs> right? time But I, I take you back to like you know, you've got people who were like, Oh, that was our song, that was our song and they used to sing along and hold hands and look at each other in the eyes and they, you know, the lyrics count for that. So say to said, kind of like, it's yeah. a big change. It's a big change. Plus, the, you know, one of the albums I imagine she's re-recording is her debut from 2006. I can't imagine her voice in 2020 is anywhere as, is identical to her voice in 2006's recordings. No? I mean, obviously, they can probably filter and add some digital stuff. But you and see, you know, so maybe yeah, I don't know about music much, but I feel like musicians have this talent to kind of change their voice because they control so much the breathing and blah, blah, blah. So maybe she can manage to make it sound just like it used to sound. Hmm. Or, or maybe she won, but it will be like an artistic decision. I, I'm, I'm curious. With technology now, what, what stops her from just sort of sampling her voice, you know, taking her vocal recording? Yeah, how will Scooter Brown know if it's a new version? Exactly. Or not? Like, oh, try and get a judge to, to, sue, you know, to accept that. Yeah, lawsuit. she could just put the same and say, yes, I re-recorded this. Yeah, and, and film herself even re-recording <laughs> and stuff. Look, the filming, is, uh, the, the oh filming quality isn't going to be the same as the tape recorder. I don't how know. How do they know? Hmm. There was a, a legal case back in the 90s. I think it was The Orb Yeah. Um, realised they couldn't sample Pink Floyd. So they painstakingly 
uh, like put together a sound that sounds just exactly like you're saying that they want to sample and then Pink Floyd sued them on one. So there we go. Well, speaking of one of Scooter Brown's most famous clients, Mr. Kanye West pulled one of those well, when he re-recorded uh, that Aphex Twin piano uh, song for My Beautiful Dark uh, Twisted Fantasy. Uh, he was very cheeky about it because he'd actually asked Richard D. James for permission. I think it was for Blame Game um, on Off My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. And uh, he'd asked permission and Richard D. James said, yeah, yeah, sure. And I think uh, I think he might have sent one of those things. Okay, let's get our people to talk about the, you know, the whatever, the monies, <laughs> the, the, the legal aspects. And then he, he didn't reply. And all of a sudden he releases this song, which takes... Um, the Aphex Twin original piano piano melody. It sounds exactly the same, and um, and that was a way of him plagiarizing without having to you know without having to dish out for the royalties. Also, how do you feel about her doing this for uh, an advert? Because it's not exactly like the sort of massive relaunch you'd want, is yeah, it? Yeah, that it bit... doesn't seem on brand with her and what she stands for. But I feel like she has her figure and her character so studied that if she considers it's the way to go, I feel like I trust her, like I'm confused by, but I guess there's an explanation but why? I I asked this, is there anything she could do that, that you wouldn't no. like? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I feel because I'm, I'm gonna give out the people the, the secret why I, I protect Taylor Swift so much, Right. it's because when Kanye made as Kanye and Kim made us hate Taylor Swift so much she had to hide away for a whole year and mm. then she came out with reputation and stuff I was the, the people that hated Taylor Swift and <gasps> I was yeah yeah, yeah. Why? Because internalized misogyny. I don't know. I don't know. Because and you're I, hooked on keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah, but I, I feel <laughs> like I, I can know better than that. And I was brainwashed by the Kardashians. And I love them, but I, I can have my own opinion. And, and then suddenly I was like, no, I don't like Taylor Swift. I, I have never listened to a 1989 a thousand times. Never, never don't know her. And now I feel bad. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I was one of these people who were so hypocritical and and stupid. I have to own it. Have you gone back and deleted posts? Thankfully, it wasn't public. It it was just when you were talking to friends and saying, ah, yeah, she's such a stupid blonde girl who doesn't know anything. Oh my God, I never liked her. I once uh, had a sort of minor thing with a, with a minor indie band, which was that basically on Facebook I asked, I, 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 there was a, I wouldn't name the band, but I basically <laughs> said like, oh, can anybody tell me uh, what music I should listen to by this band? Uh, anything apart from that utterly terrible song, X. Oh, is it the local band? What? No, 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 no. <laughs> There's me whispering, people turning up. Okay. Uh, and it turned out one of my friends uh, was friends on Facebook with one of the band. Oh, no. Yeah. Got to be careful. Got to be careful. Who said sort of, ah, oh, yeah, I can't stand that song either. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. But when oh, I said can't Debbie. stand, I like, you know, meant actually it was uh, quite good. <laughs> thing yeah. is, uh, this just a little thing about this re-recording things. I always think when it, whenever um, record industry, the recording industry reissues something by the Beatles or the Rolling Stones from the 60s and stuff, and they're talking about, oh, this was a re-recorded version and stuff, it's like, I can't bother with all the literature. It's like, look, let me just press play, and it sounds just as good as whatever the original... You know, after th- 30 years, you don't really care. 
you know, what's important is the quality of the mm -hmm. song, the, you know, if it was recorded this moment, that moment, you know, you kind of forget about what people were talking about at the time. So I guess Taylor is being savvy, thinking, look, mm -hmm. when I am 90 years old or I am no longer on this earth, or maybe she will be because she might have the technology to <laughs> yeah. live forever. Ma <laughs> um, might donate her body. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, she's Taylor Swift, so she can do whatever she, she wants. If she want to be immortal, she can be immortal. <laughs> she, she, she's one of the chosen one, ones. Um, uh, you know, but in, but in those times, it'll, yeah, the, the music will speak volumes and we will not remember Scooter Brown. We will remember Taylor Swift and we will remember songs like mm, the one we're hearing in the background. <laughs> Should we have a listen to the advert? Do you want to hear the advert? Oh, yes. Okay, it's free advert for match, but it's all right. Zero, two, zero. Please call me 2020. So, where are you from? Hell. Me too. Call me your savior. I've been feeling so alone. I keep I didn't understand a thing of what was happening without the video. You know, I don't know. Was it Thanos who appears with that voice? Is no, it look, do you want me to explain? Yes. Satan, right, hooks up with 2020 because they're both really bad. Get it? Oh, and what? And in, in a matching up, in a dating up. In a, but what embodies 2020? Is there a person? No, or is a, it a woman. A yeah. yeah. Oh, but it's not Taylor or Blake Lively, right? <laughs> no. I, there I am trying to sort of figure it out. And does Ryan Reynolds play Satan, the devil? Yeah, but he's in a super costume that you can barely recognize him. Oh, apparently it's like inspired by Legend, no? The Tony Scott or Ridley Scott directed with a film with Tom Cruise. Remember that film, Ben? Legend? The, the, with Vaguely, the I don't think I've seen it. Tim yeah. Curry. Oh, yeah. Iconic. Not very good. And we were listening out for Baby Just Say Yes, Baby Just Said Yes. I couldn't tell. Couldn't Maybe tell. it's a stretch, but you couldn't tell. So to you, it was like the normal song and the fans could maybe listen a little bit of a change so you get the best of both worlds the, the fans that get the easter egg and the people that barely know uh, can listen the difference do you know what i think it's time to bow out today and there's one thing i've wanted to say to you to you both for a very long time <laughs> you can both s t f u oh bad taste no not really no no sorry That 
was another episode of the Weekly Review. Thank you for listening. Make sure you listen to us on all streaming platforms, Spotify, iVox, Apple Music, etc., etc. Goodbye.